Welcome in. This is the Music Vibes Podcast. I am your host, DC Hendrix. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. Go ahead and make us one of your favorites to keep up and go ahead and scroll on down and leave us a review and let us know what you are thinking. A special episode. If you know me personally or you've been listening to this podcast, you know this is a big episode for me as I get to highlight a discography and an artist that has been overlooked for so long. And today we no longer overlook this artist. Get their flowers today, whether it was getting the nod for the halftime show for the Super Bowl in 2024, whether it's getting that or just giving them their flowers today. The one and only, I guess, as we look at today's R&B, the king of R&B. Now, obviously, if you go back, you got Bobby Brown before him. You got people like Stevie Wonder, Luther Vandross. A lot of artists could get the claim for King of R&B, but I always give him that claim just because of how long he has sustained his success in the genre. But he's even bigger than that because Usher is performing at the halftime show of the Super Bowl, which means he is much bigger than R&B. So today we want to give him his flowers. I'm going to be joined by a great guest over in the UK. I got Thomas Hobbs, who's a freelance writer. He writes for publications like BBC, Guardian, Billboard, all kind of different publications. And we are lucky enough to talk to him today and we will be talking Usher as he got to hang out with Usher. He got to attend his show, see it live. I'm jealous for that already, but he also got to sit down with Usher and talk with him. And he's got a perfect piece, a great piece that digs into Usher, not only as the artist, but outside of music, as a lot of people, you know, there's all kind of interviews that we see with these artists and they always talk about the music. But Thomas Hobbs did a a piece with Usher that digs a lot deeper than just the music. So excited to have Thomas on the show. We're going to dig into the discography and we're going to talk all things Usher Raymond. So before we bring Thomas on, I want to dig a little bit deeper and talk about the early days of Usher. As I began listening to Usher when he first came out, I was a youngster and I remember listening to the very first CD as Usher began his career, believe it or not, a lot earlier than people think. He actually started his music career in 1993. So he had his self-titled debut album in 1994, Usher. That was my introduction to him. And I remember listening to Think of You on the radio. And that's my favorite song from his debut album, Think of You. Got to take it back to the 90s with that one. But I guess the biggest hit was the first single for his debut album. It was called Can You Get With It? So Puff Daddy and L.A. Reid helped produce and come up with this album. Of course, I'll be sure is also listed as a producer of this album. And it just it didn't really hit like the album that followed. But if you listen back, this was definitely one of the albums that you appreciate a little bit more, especially if you're an Usher fan. So go back listening to that self-titled debut album from Usher and let me know what you think. But of course, next 1997, you got My Way. I think this was his big breakthrough onto the scene. You also got guest appearances from Monica, Jermaine Dupri, and Lil' Kim all on this album, My Way. Of course, the big hit, Nice and Slow. 
self-titled my way and you make me wanna all on this album but there's some deep cuts on this one as well that a lot of people you know you got to dig a little bit deep to this album and you got to listen to songs like bedtime of course a remake of slow jam which was originally done by midnight star a remake of that with monica as babyface help uh come up with that song on this album so my way definitely the big first commercial hit for usher and then of course 2001 it just hit, got even bigger with 8701. A lot of people's favorite. I mean, this album got a lot of hits on it as well. And on 8701, he got the team back up. The Jermaine Dupree, Babyface, the Neptunes on this album, Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. Big hits like You Remind Me, You Got It Bad, You Don't Have to Call. This album, 8701, at the 44th Grammy Awards, will win Usher his very first Grammy for Best R&B Vocal Performance for Male Artists with You Remind Me. And the following year at the 45th Grammy Awards, he'd win it again with the song You Don't Have to Call. So two Grammys coming from this album definitely helped Usher make it big onto the scene in 2001-2002. You got the fourth studio album, Confessions. Now this is when Usher made the switch from LaFace Records to Arista Records, but still worked with longtime collaborator Jermaine Dupree, Jimmy Jam, Terry Lewis, and Lil Jon on this album. This includes his big hit, Yeah. You also got songs like Burn, Confessions. Watch this. These are my confessions. Just when I thought I said all I can say, my chick on the side says she got one on the way. These are my confessions. Man, I'm thrown and I don't know what to do. I guess I gotta keep all two of my confessions. If I'm gonna tell it, then I gotta tell it all. Damn, they cried when I got that phone call. According to Billboard, it is the second best-selling album of the 2000s decade in the United States, behind only one album, NSYNC's No Strings Attached. Now, after that, Usher would change genres a little bit as he, he came out with the album Here I Stand, which was still an R&B album. Didn't have a lot of hits like he did on the previous albums, but definitely some good songs on Here I Stand. He still had Love in This Club, Part 1 and 2, Young Jeezy and Beyonce, and Lil Wayne on the second version of that song. You got Moving Mountains, the self-titled song Here I Stand, and a nice late-night cut trading places this album wasn't able to do what the previous albums did but an extra fan like myself appreciated that album then after that in the late 20 2000s i guess early 2010s usher switched it up a little bit getting into the party phase and switched a little and almost switched genres this is where he started going into the pop genre and where i guess a lot of people would claim lost his r&b touch but i think he just got bigger right here and this is why he's performing at the halftime show of the super bowl and of course, Usher's still making music today. Two big new singles leading to his album that is coming out next year in 2024. Album is going to be called Coming Home and it's going to be scheduled to come out in 2024. And already two singles scheduled for the album already released, already off to a good start. The first lead single for that album was Glue. I just love top of the r&b charts and still is on the charts and also you got good good which features r&b artist summer walker and hip-hop artist 21 savage i hate to be to make it to forever probably ain't getting back together but that don't mean that i can't wish you better we good good but we still good 
Keep it honest with each other I'll be happy for you when you find another We ain't good, good, but we still good so as we travel through, it's definitely time to get to this piece in the standard from Thomas Hobbs, my buddy from over the UK. Let's hop on the phone with him and let's talk Usher. We are joined by freelance journalist Thomas Hobbs, who's going to help us talk about Usher today. Thomas, thanks for coming on. What's up, man? So you're all the way, you join us all the way from the UK. We're worldwide today, right? Yeah, well, well, bye, man. You're going to have to put up with my uh, British accent. I promise I don't sound like Sherlock Holmes, though. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so you got to have before we even get to your your profile with Usher, um, I kind of want to get to know you with the audience a little bit because you've done some great work. Um, so tell myself and the audience who Thomas Hobbs is and your experience in the music journalist world. Thank you, man. So yeah, I'm a freelance um, journalist. I write across music, film, culture. Um, I've been lucky to interview some real legends, people like Nas, um, people like Q-Tip. Um, people like Wise Blood, um, Rock Marciano. Um, just I'm just thinking off the top, uh, John Carpenter. Um, I'm not supposed to reveal this publicly, but I just did an interview of Ice Cube the other night, which is coming mm. soon. Um, so yeah, man, I would say I've worked my way up from quite an ordinary background. Um, you know, I was raised just by my mum, who was a cleaner, didn't come from a lot of money. Uh, yeah, you know how it is. This industry, a lot. Uh, let's just keep it real. Like a lot of the people that dominate, um, are born with silver spoons in their mouth. So, mm-hmm. I feel like that's something that drives me as well, man. To try and kind of use my background and the fact that I've worked my way up, um, to you know have a more empathetic lens in the writing and the, and the way that I speak to people. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, man, I'm just out here trying to <laughs> trying to keep up. It's up. Like, we spoke about this before the call. Where it's really hard media landscape at the moment. Um, a lot mm-hmm. of people worried about the future, but you know, I really hope that um, by writing pieces where you know I can really show. You, I hope that people can tell when they read my piece my pieces that. You know, I really put the work in. I've really put 20, 30 hours of research. I've really listened to every song that artist has ever made. I've really, like, you know, spent hours getting to know their hometown, the local restaurants, you know, what, what goes on in the hometown, what it's known for, getting to know, like, the genealogy of the artists, their inspirations, the artists that fueled their sounds, getting to know, like, what their parents' jobs were when they grew up. All of these things, I think, are what gives you know, what creates special interviews. Um, I think one of the big issues of music journalism right now is a lot of people are kind of alluded to it, but they come from privileged backgrounds and I think they take it for granted. Like when mm-hmm. they interview big guys, that all they do um, is, you know, to prepare for an interview, all they do is read the last four interviews that were written about that artist and, mm-hmm. and fucking, <laughs> and like... <laughs> And listen to the new album once on the on the train ride <laughs> over, you know, and and you can tell the copy man, it's sloppy, it's just mm-hmm. it's just fucking, it's just not good, and it's like I want to be the antithesis to that because, you know, I really <laughs> love this shit, I've studied this shit, you know, I've mm-hmm. waited my, my whole life to do this, so yeah, I'd say that's kind of me in a nutshell, man. That's awesome, man. That's dope. And I can definitely sense that in some of your pieces that you sent over. Now, this is an interview that we've been talking about doing for a while and you did give me a heads up that you had a lot of work in the pipeline so we were yeah. actually supposed to talk a while ago but you've been busy you got a lot going on um i know you got a young one you got 
you know, some great stuff that you've been working on though. So definitely glad to highlight you today. So I, I would say, so where can people find some of your work so far? I mean, I know you're writing in a variety of different places. I know there's a lot of layoffs going on right now, like, okay, player mm-hmm. I, I've seen is doing some big layoffs, but where can people find your work currently right now? Yes. Rest in peace. Okay. Player. That, that mm-hmm. hit me. Cause I actually have my own series for them called behind the beat where I interviewed, legendary rap producers about the story behind one of their best beats. Mm. I spoke to people like Pete Rock, Mike Wonder, um, Cool and Dre. So mm. that was, you know, it's obviously a real loss, like especially for the staff and just that hit me. But outside of OK Player, places like um, the Financial Times, the mm. BBC, um, the Guardian, um, mm. Billboard, the Face, um, the Telegraph, wow. um, Dazed, um, uh, just thinking off the top, uh, I've written a lot for a place called Hut before, which is a UK magazine. Um, okay. So yeah, man, I'm just trying to like, um, like Wu Tang said in that David basket, trying to diversify <laughs> my bonds, just trying to work for as many places as possible because I feel like um, yeah. if you do if you do that, you're less sort of caught up if one of them disappears off the face of the earth, which seems to be what's happening a lot at the moment. But, um, you know, I definitely say my future is trying to do my own thing, trying to cut out the middleman and have my own publication um, where I can mm-hmm. elevate working class writers and their voice. Like, I think, you know, outside the work that I do, you know, what really drives me is like, trying to help the next generation. Because I remember when I was coming through and I must have emailed every big blue tick journalist and, and said to them, like, you know, give me some advice. Like, I would, you know, I want to be where you're at. And I'd say mm-hmm. about three of them responded. Like, <laughs> yeah, and the ones that responded were just rude as fuck. And it just made me think, like, these people, a lot of them are just, I'm just going to keep it real with you, man. A lot of them are yuppies, man. Like, you, a, lot, a lot of people are worshipping writers who really, um, you know, really don't care about the next generation. So a big part of my thing is, you know, I've now done 150 plus um, free phone consultations with writers from working class backgrounds, teaching them everything that mm-hmm. I know. And, you know, I'd say 80, 70, 80% of those writers now work for the biggest titles in the world consistently. So beyond like anything that I've, you know, do personally, um, I think that's what I want to be known for. Like the people that I put on, I, I remember, um, you know, an interviewee that I had recently, um, Westside Gun from Griselda, who's a real legend. Um, he mm. said to me, true success isn't about personal achievements. It's about who you put on. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that's really true. And I think as this media landscape burns more and more, like that's mm-hmm. the mindset that I think is really important. Like everyone has to hold each other up because if not, all we're going to end up with is the same, you know, yep. people from Oxford and Cambridge dominating. And I just think that'd be a really boring industry, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, spot on, spot on a hundred percent. I mean, I'm dealing, I, I could go on and on about what I've been dealing with over the last year as well in this you yeah. know industry that we're in, but you know, onward and upward. Um, that, yeah. That's all we can, we can look forward to right now. And you, you're definitely on the right track, man. I got to give you credit for this piece that you did for standard, um, big profile here, and it, it makes somebody like me excited because I grew up listening to Usher. I mean, literally from the debut album as a youngster, I was listening to Usher, very young Usher. Um, yeah. and you, you put in, you know, while Usher is one of my favorite artists, you think you know everything about them until you read stories like yours. Like, I had, you know, how many times I've watched that Biggie and Tupac video and <laughs> never 
realize that Usher was in that video. Never even, <laughs> and you pointed that out, you know, stuff like that. You know, I'm always learning new things and your story. Uh, so before we even get to your story though, um, wh what, I mean, what was your approach to this profile? How, how are you approaching this story on Usher as you got to go to Paris? So my approach was to listen to every song Usher ever made, every song and write detailed notes. I think mm. that's really important to piece his whole genealogy. And, and while I make those notes, think who could have inspired Usher to sing like that? Um, outside of that, you know, I really did, you know, good five plus hours of research, just looking into his hometown in Chattanooga in Tennessee, because mm -hmm. I think that's a place that was the epicenter of the civil rights movement. Like, you know, you know, so lots of lots of things happened happened there, like including, you know, two years after Usher was born, there were like five um, black women who left a local nightclub and they were shot in the drive-by shooting by KKK members. So I mean, wow. the fact that Usher came from that environment, I find I, I think that you tell you can tell the whole story of how an artist sounds um, from where they come from. Like if you don't understand the roots of something, then you're never going to understand like how it's grown to to be what it is. Mm -hmm. You know. So I think um think you know the research was really really important to me and just kind of you know this idea because Usher, um I love Usher just like you do. Like I remember songs like I will. Um, yeah. on my way which is like my shit like I love that track <laughs> like I love um, you know I, I think um, 8701 is one of my all time favourite records mm -hmm. just because it reminds me of like a real pure time but um, I think sometimes Usher is maybe like misunderstood a bit people just see him as this smiley face like this mm -hmm. kind of like he's like ascended hasn't he to like this kind of like pop star that no one kind of really knows so for me it was like telling the human like he's everywhere yet still people almost don't know the human side to him so I think it was really important for me to to show that human side show like what what dri drives that like and also you know I think Usher um you know I, I didn't love all the EDM stuff that Usher did in the late 2000s <laughs> I didn't love it when he started hooking up with David Guerre, even though like I appreciate <laughs> and respect it like you know like he was he's diversifying he was um you know, he was maintaining his relevance. Um, so I think I really kind of fascinated by how he kind of went from that and, you know, like being a judge on The Voice, which wasn't necessarily the coolest phase for Usher to, to <laughs> now to now be in like what, what we see. He's so resurgent right now, right? It's almost mm -hmm. like fucking he's gone back to the confessions era, even when yeah. he's 44. It just feels like he's re-energized. So to me, yeah. that was the kind of essence beyond telling like the human story, the roots, the genealogy. I think it was all about like how at 44 is he suddenly become re-energized re re and you know, I, I, I these interviews, man, like they're not always easy. We're saying like this, you, you don't know like what type of person mm. you're going to get but in yeah. my experience if you put that research in you really put that work in um mo you know most people are going to respond positively to that because they're going to realize right this guy's really like yeah put their effort yeah. in to understand me do you know what i mean and i think i'm um, i think you know hopefully that was reflected and you know and just to say like i really appreciate the kind words but let's toast to you as well man you work in apple music you work your way up from the bottom too man so i think you know i'm really appreciative of you too and the things you that you'll do thank you man yeah and it's and the i will say though i i enjoyed the edm era of usher a little bit more than you did possibly because <laughs> I, I was clubbing back then so i was listening to dj got us falling in love again and 
Scream yeah. and I mean I was in the clubs when those songs was out, so I was like, they were those. catchy though. Like, there's no question, they were catchy songs, Very. man. Like, it's Very. just I think I think that was like when I started out in university, <laughs> so I just remember like um, it then being played too much, you know, and like I was a bit of a loner, maybe well, not a loner, but like I didn't love university, so you know, when those songs were on and everyone else was smiling and dancing, like I was probably in the corner, like, <laughs> like emoed <laughs> up, like, you know what I mean? Like probably like reciting Elliot Smith lyrics in my head. So maybe it was just the wrong timing for me, but those songs are important though. They're important. <laughs> and I'm sure a few of them will be in his performance too. Yeah. And that that's the thing is, and you, you mentioned that it'll probably be in his performance at the Super Bowl halftime show. And that's why, you have these profiles and things like this on Usher today because they have aged well. While we may not have enjoyed them back then, you know, my kids are unfortunately don't I hate to remind myself of this, but our preteens and <laughs> they, they are listening to the EDM Usher songs that we grew up yeah, liking and, or disliking. So and TikTok is a big part of that. You know, TikTok yes. is they're so catchy. They could come out today, a lot of them and 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 still still be hits, you know. And I think um you know, I'm really interested to see what the Super Bowl set list is because I think he's just got so much material. But maybe because I'm biased, I just love the, you know, I just love that kind of 94 to 2006 Usher. Like, that's the Usher that, um, you know, that I love the most just because I just think he sang with so much vulnerability. Like, I think post-2006, you know, he's, he's, he's a huge star and maybe that that vulnerability, you know, that kind of the teariness in his voice has gone a little bit because some of those old Usher tracks for me, like mm -hmm. you can almost hear him. Like he sounds a bit upset. Sounds sad. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? He's wearing his heart on his sleeve. And that was another thing Usher told me that didn't make the final piece, just how like he would. And, and I think this speaks to the genius of Jermaine Dupree as a producer. Mm -hmm. Like he would go to the studio and the first thing Jermaine Dupree would do is get him to sit down. And they would talk for about an hour and a half about Usher's, mm -hmm whole life like childhood memories um you know girls that he he loved but it didn't quite work out like girls he was currently seeing like where he was at mentally and then they would mm -hmm. turn those conversations into the songs that you heard so you know i think that's a big part of why those songs are so fucking good because they're so truthful right whereas mm -hmm. i think when when asha goes into that pure adonis like um Adonis, sorry, Lafario, you know, shirt <laughs> off. Like, that's cool, but, like, I, I like the Usher that's a little bit more wounded. Like, that's my favorite yeah. Usher. Yeah. Yeah, and, I've, and, like, you know, what a lot of people don't understand with Usher, too, before we even get to the genius of Jermaine Dupri, who I believe helped transcend the legend of Usher um, with the with the 80, uh, not with the My Way album. But, you know, before that, a lot of people don't even realize how young Usher started out. And yeah. so another example, I tried not to compare him to Michael Jackson, but in the same sense, like was forced to grow up quickly like a mm -hmm. Michael Jackson, you know, when you mentioned a little bit of that in your story where he's, you know, a teenager, 14 years old and, you know, is sent to live with Diddy and, yeah. you know, being forced to be around all kind of crazy stuff that we can't even imagine at just 14 years old yeah. and forced to grow up at so young. He missed out on a lot of his childhood, you're right. And it's like, that adds another layer. And I think the Michael Jackson comparison is actually a really, really good one. Like, who else can dance and sing at the level? You know what I mean? Like, Usher is in many ways his prodigy. But I tried to get that in the piece too, in in it. You know, I've got a piece, uh, a line where I refer to um, lyrics where he spoke about um, 
uh, just kind of the pressure to always have to smile at people and always like, do you know what I mean? Always greet fans um, with a smile. And I wanted to bring that up because I think sometimes like that could be tiring for musicians, you know, like it's almost like being a politician. It's like they always have to be switched on. And I really liked how he spoke about, you know, he, he, he enjoys driving himself, but because he's so famous, he's unable to, to try it's not always safe to do that like he has to be driven by somebody else and i think you know those types of things i think will give a real insight into usher because like you say he's he's had to live like that for such a long time now but um i think you know another thing that was just really fascinating to me is just how close usher was to not being usher like mm-hmm. you know we forget that the face um they weren't that you know la reed to begin with was wasn't that convinced by usher like he yeah. He kind of sent him to Diddy because I think he probably saw what Diddy did with Mary J, right? And like, mm-hmm. and how he like put, you know, her career, um, fueled her career. And he was just doing such incredible things as an A&R at Uptown Records. But, you know, I think that was almost, I, I sensed from speaking to Usher, like at that point, that was almost like a last resort. Like, we're going to send you over there. Hopefully Diddy can sort you out. I, I don't sense the LA Reid completely believed in Asha. So I think that adds another really interesting part to this story, like where it's like this guy really fought, you know what I mean? He really fought hard to get to where he's at. It wasn't like it just happened overnight. It wasn't just a sensation straight away, right? Like he grew into that. And I think that's a really cool thing for sure. So uh, one of my favorite parts, I won't say one of my favorite parts, actually my favorite part about your story is the part about Usher talking about crying isn't an option if you are black and being and the I guess being vulnerable with the music and how it's really not looked at it's not cool right mm-hmm. um you, you spoke really highly of that and I think this is something that is a conversation that goes a lot further than music but for the for the sake of Usher you know because this conversation could go a hundred different ways yeah. but for speaking for from Usher's perspective, so obviously we're talking about a guy who literally aired out a whole affair mm. on an album, going back to Confessions, and with you know songs like Burn, um, you know you, you got it bad, Confessions obviously. Like this is a guy that literally you know poured out and I I would say hit the prime with that album and hit his prime and became the very best. But we are now in a time and age where it's no longer cool to do that. Um, and you yeah. were talking about that in this piece, in the standard. Kind of talk about exactly the angle and, you know, that that chat that you had about, you know, being vulnerable in music. Yeah, I just think with some of the some of his vocals, like, it sounds to me like um, he's, he's, I don't know, it sounds to me like he's on the verge of crying. He sings in a, in a register that's, like, very, very um, emotional, right? Um, and I think... You know, I'm. I find that fascinating because I think nowadays, like you alluded to, a lot of the R&B and hip hop that you hear in the mainstream um, is kind of like from the perspective of somebody who's like, you know, just 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 invincible sex god, <laughs> like like you know. And it's like I think yeah. to me, it's like the artists that I really love are the artists who show that vulnerable side like like you know like Michael Jackson she's out of my life he, the guy just starts crying on the record and you know mm-hmm. I think I think when I heard that um I could just imagine 
Usher doing the same thing, you know, like I could just imagine how pivotal it was hearing that, hearing Donny Hathaway, um, hearing these yeah. artists who, you know, um, you know, I mean, Usher says it on 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 Burn. He talks about I want to break down and cry. Like mm-hmm. that was a real big thing to admit. Like in two thousand and four, right? Like yeah. if you look if you look at the music that was dominating back then, like shit, like it wasn't um, it wasn't uh, like the standard to do that. I don't think so. Mm-hmm. I just felt like a lot of people hadn't really asked him about that. I just felt like it was really important to like. Um, be the opposite and, and and really get that insight from him because you know I think it's I think you're right like if maybe it's um you know Tupac I remember he had a had a lyric um on Hail Mary where I think it was Hail Mary where he said we're too hardened to smile um when talking about um black men and their mm. experience in America and obviously you know much more about this than me. I'm an outsider completely, but <laughs> that lyric, that lyric always, always stuck with me. And and, mm-hmm. and I think, you know, for Usher to go against that, that ingrained, you know, have to be tough. You know, you, you can't show emotion. You can't show weakness. I think that's actually really radical. And I think that that's a part of his legacy that, um, that doesn't get, um, doesn't get spoken about enough, you know, like mm. at all. Um, so I think bringing that up, I, I could just tell when I brought it up, like he appreciated it, like because maybe not a lot of people um, had, had asked about that, but also just the political side of Russia. Mm. Obviously, this is a guy like, um, you know, like I said, Aristotle of baby making music, but like he's <laughs> also got like political, more political songs than people, you know, We Still in Chains, I um, mm-hmm. like Cry, you know, they're tracks that, that that really tap into this kind of political um, uh, message as well, right? This message about um, the genealogy of, 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 of Black people in America. And it was like, you know, I started the interview with him talking about slavery, um, and and how um, you know talking about how actually that was cut, but he actually had a whole monologue talking to me about slavery mm-hmm. and the genealogy of slavery. So you know that just showed to me that like you know the usher that we see, or or maybe we perceive as being this you know the, the cat this Casanova this kind of guy who can talk a nun mm-hmm. into bed. <laughs> um, there's yeah. another side. There's another side to him. You know, that is underpinned by this like real smart forensic understanding of 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 kind of racial imbalances in america um you know i think he i went away from the interview just just thinking Mm -hmm. he's a much more political artist maybe than people give him credit for and um you know i think unearthing that in particular really kind of made me happy because I just, you know, you're a fan too. He doesn't get that credit, right? Like you never hear oh, me talk about those songs. Like, yeah. Oh, agree, hundred percent. I mean, I, I watching, I was watching reactions on social media to Usher being announced as the halftime performer for the Super Bowl, and people are acting like, "What? Like, why Usher?" Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. "Why not? Like, are you serious? Like, and <laughs> <laughs> you know, and obviously, like, you know, the the thing that makes Usher so special is not only is he an R and B legend. But he was a guy that, you know, not many are able to cross over, you know, into a more, you know, mainstream audience. You know, a lot of them can't cross over to the pop audience. And Usher did that successfully at a high level as well. And over, I mean, (laughs) believe it or not, almost nearly four decades of music that he has 
hundred percent. And it's like people don't realize as well. Like, and you know, I'm really keen on studying the music and, and going back and back. And you know, artists like James Brown, um, Bobby mm-hmm. Blue Blue Bands, Bobby Womack, um, yeah. David Peaston, Freddie Jackson, Teddy Pendergrass. Yeah. Um, these are all artists. You know, think of the song. Um, you know, Harold Melvin and the Blue Notes, I Miss You with Teddy Pendergrass. That guy is fucking howling out his feelings about, you know, drinking too much whiskey and crying over a woman that left him. Like, when yeah. I hear all these songs and all these artists, like, I can see where I should got it from. And sometimes yeah. when you, when you you know, Bobby Brown too. I mean, Bobby Brown is the blueprint mm-hmm. for Usher, no, unquestionably, like, oh, yeah. more so than Michael Jackson. Um, So, like, I think what I was really impressed with is when I brought all these artists up, like, even going back to blues artists, like, Usher knew all of them instinctively. He could quote lyrics, he could quote songs. There were things that didn't go in the interview. So it's like, this guy is a true student of his craft. You know what I mean? Like he really is. And I think what was going to be great about the next um, four or five months or however long it is until the Super Bowl performance is people have this chance to to go back through his his discography and and realise all this stuff because a lot of it is just ignorance. I think people just look at Usher as, um, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we're ludicrous and Little John, you know, Usher got the vocals, right. your, your booty go clap. They just look at Usher as that, you know, whereas I think when you actually really go into this catalogue, it's so rich. And I think when people do that, they'll realise um, this guy's a student. Like, he really is. He really put the work in, like you know, like, and I think also, like, I don't know about you, but my favorite vocalists tend to have started out in the church. Um, and mm. Usher started out in the church. And I think that, you know, Confessions, just just as, as a song you brought it up, well, mm. that's kind of what he's doing on that song. It's like he's in the fucking booth in the church, right? Like confessing <laughs> to his vicar, about you know? And it's like, I think that you can't underestimate just how important um that 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 that, that basis of starting out in the church, like yeah. how all the most honest artists that seem to, um, you know, and I don't want to just like bring men up here, you know, mm-hmm. also people like Aretha Franklin, um, yeah. uh, Nina Simone, like um, there's just so so many people who you, who you can look at and you can say they started out in the church and and they're legends. Um, so I think there's a reason for that, you know, and I think it just allows artists to be honest um mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean that's the thing some of these usher songs especially the first few albums obviously yeah. there's the baby making cruise but it does sound like he's praying in the in pews right like he's really just yeah. like having a really honest conversation and that is again like one of his biggest strengths he makes you feel like you're having a one-on-one conversation with him and he's getting yeah. some shit getting some shit off his chest right yeah and like you so you preparing for this you said you listen you went back and listened to every project and he's got his ninth album actually coming out uh mm. t- in 2024 called coming home which will also be fire because i already mm. enjoyed two of the elite singles for it so i know it's going to be good <laughs> um but you know going back and listening back this is so admittedly this is something i also did not only to prepare for this but also just when the uh, super bowl announcement came on i was like man people tripping <laughs> i gotta go back and listen and see what you know, like see, see what they're talking about because people are trying to act like Usher don't have, you know, the catalog to make it happen. And I go back and I will say the album for me 
that I came out appreciating a little bit more. And it's weird to say this because I grew up literally with this album, but <laughs> I appreciate my way a little bit more than I think I did in the time. So it's one of the first CDs I purchased myself as a youngster. Classic. But it's an absolute classic, man. And I it's, it's going back and listening to it. There's no skips. Um, I appreciated songs like Bedtime, a little bit more, Come Back, um, a couple of tracks on there. Obviously, I Will. Um, yeah. That's nice an album slide. that I appreciated a little bit more listening back. So for you, preparing for this, was there any albums or songs that you came out appreciating a little bit more than before? Um, I de definitely my way for sure. Like I think my way is um, an album that I agree with you that I think is super underrated. Um, I also um, I also came away appreciating Raymond versus Raymond a little bit more. Like as oh. well, um, I think that's an album yeah. you don't hear a lot about. But like a song like Falling Around, um, which is just Usher over a piano. Um, yeah. Like I love that, you know. It's you know, it's, ki it's killing me. You have to live with the lies. Like some of his best lyrics, like um, and you know, I just definitely felt like some some of that some of that record take away some of the more EDM moments. Um, some of that record was like kind of really bluesy. Um, <laughs> will I am? Yeah, and will I am too? <laughs> Christ, but again, I think I'm um, looking for myself. Is 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 an underrated album as well. Like, and it's got mm -hmm. some Ashes more fun. Like, Dive is a great track. Like, he talks about it's raining inside your bed. Like, I love mm -hmm. that. Like, um, Climax as well. Like, you know, that is like it's a great track, man. Like, it really is. And it's like, and I think that song is is just proof of Usher's genius, like he can cheat on someone and you still want to hug him, right? Like it takes yeah. skill to achieve that empathy, especially as a man, right? Like I definitely think that. So I think um I think, you know, I think those early albums like like My Way, like I, I you know, I like you, I grew up on them. Um I grew up listening to them. So mm -hmm. I kind of know them like the back of my hand. So I think just trying to like get to know some of the more later projects that maybe I'd like written off and, and try and um, yeah. and try and reconsider them like here I stand as well like like yeah. really 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 important um I, I really like before I met you actually I think that's a good track um uh and you know that was one of the questions I asked him like about the lyric I was a hustler and a player before I met you like <laughs> you don't really imagine Usher as a hustler but like <laughs> he, he gave me a few kind of lines about how he learned from like the hustlers and that like just from watching them on the street and, and I think that that's a really kind of interesting um dynamic for Usher too because I wouldn't necessarily consider him to have you know I would just consider him to just be in the music industry his whole life but that's the thing with Usher like he 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 does return to his roots like mm -hmm. apparently he goes to magic city a lot and just orders wings and just sits there and, like by himself and i love that i love those stories because that's i mm. think how he's managed to stay authentic by staying connected to the people right um so yeah mm -hmm. i think um some some of those records i would say some of the later records with the ones where yeah. i really kind of like because some of the some of those albums i just named you i didn't necessarily love when they dropped but i think <laughs> now like now time's gone by um i i appreciate them more but also like the start the ep you did with um Satoven and yeah you know, that, that shit yeah. was great like you know like when he's doing the master p ad libs on um no limit <laughs> no limit song with young thug like that yeah. was like i love that like i love that and this track he had with future and just i think i love that because a he just sounds great over those beats 
But he, yeah. he just, I think you start to realise people like Future and Young Fuck, they got, they learned a lot from Asher too, right? So, yeah. I, I was, I had an R&B station for the last couple of years before I got a new gig and I added yeah. a couple of songs from the Zaytoven album and nobody, people were like calling and messaging us about these songs. Like, I'd never heard <laughs> that song. And yeah. it's like, I know, that's why I put it on. <laughs> yeah, like, what the hell is this? Like, it's yeah. like, Zayhoven is such an underrated producer, but just hearing Usher on that, it just worked, didn't it? Right? And just like, yes. there's, you know, there's certain songs, there's so many underrated songs, like fucking Throwback with Jada Kiss, that sample of um, mm-hmm. Diane Warwick's You're Gonna Need Me. I mean, that's like beautiful beat. Like, and just, <laughs> I think, I actually think maybe Just Blaze produced that. I could be wrong, but um, like, you wouldn't expect Just Blaze to produce an Usher song, but um, no. I, I think, uh, yeah, man, the catalog is just so deep, isn't it? It is, and that, and that's why he's he's whoever has the tough task outside of him to come up with the set list for the Super Bowl. I mean, <laughs> yeah. I'm sure we'll get songs like "Yeah," and I'm sure I'm sure we'll get you know uh, songs from eighty-seven oh one here and there. Probably yeah. uh, "You Make Me Wanna," all the hits, but I. I feel for whoever has to come up with the official set list and how yeah, for sure. trim it down to just a few songs. I it's gonna be difficult, man. But I hope um it'd be funny if Lil John popped up. I've not seen that guy in years. Like it'd be quite funny yeah. if he popped Okay. Yeah, he, <laughs> he's, he's gotta like, he's gotta come, right? He has to come with him. He has to. Fucking and Lil John as well does get credit he deserves. But like I know like Dave Chappelle made him into a bit of a joke with those skits and stuff. <laughs> but I would say with someone like him, um, a lot of the pu- more punk rap, you know, like a few years ago, you've had more of a punk rap sound. Like he yeah. was kind of doing that with crunk, right? Like they did with yeah. early rage music, really. It was like, it was, I know obviously Free Six Mafia, like uh, probably more, but Little John mm. was definitely doing something quite more more uh radical than maybe people give him credit for i've actually been trying to interview him for years but i can't mm-hmm. find a line to him but um yeah i'd love to see little john <laughs> little john come out like just start shining okay <laughs> yeah you've done i mean hey i commend you because you've already done like interviewing usher for one like envious man i i am 100 envious but you you did a great job. So, you know, I appreciate like it, man. This. But you, you, you'll interview him, man. Like, there's no reason why you shouldn't interview him. And, and that's the thing. Like, I, and I get that, like, envy, like, envy that people that comes. But I think that that is why, you know, going back to what I said at the first start of the call, that's why I'm going to put everything that I've got. I'm going to lose out on sleep, right? I'm going to lose out on money to do the research because yeah. I'm, I'm, tra- I'm treating this like my last ever interview because I know how many other people out there want to do this. How many other people, you know, I can't take this shit for granted. And I'm telling you, there's lots of journalists right now who do, like, they're on huge fees, they're columnists, you just spend yeah. all their time being transphobic and get paid loads of money for it. They're, they're not taking, they're taking no. their position for granted. So I think it's really important that, you know, when I when I am fortunate to speak to these people, that I can't leave any stone unturned. Like, by the time, you know, when I went on this Paris trip, the other journalists that were on the trip, not all of them, but some of them were like out, you know, drinking and 
mm-hmm. having fun. Like, actually, there was a chance to like go backstage because I went to the gig on the on the on the first day. There was a chance to stay out all night, do all these things. I went back early to my room and listened to Usher. This is after seeing a three hour show. I then went back to my room, put my headphones on, and made notes for wow. like five hours. Like, that's the type of dedication I want to bring in, so that you know, because because I agree. Like, you know, and it's like sometimes I just feel like the people who get these interviews. Um, I don't want to sound like I hate all. There's loads of journalists I love, like you know, shout out people like mm. you know Jeff Wise and Andre G's doing great stuff. There's loads of good, you know, Dylan Green. Like there's lots of writers I really admire doing great stuff. But there mm. are also lots of journalists who just take these opportunities for granted. And it's like, mm. I, you know, I never want to be 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 accused of that. Like if, I, if you see my name, if you see my name on a feature like you know that I put the work in you know that I like you know and that that's how you do it right and I can tell just from speaking to you you know you do the same thing so yeah like I said like let's hold each other up because that's right I'm holding you up man you did some great work here I know we only got a couple of minutes left but I gotta know so you've been you've been to the live show I haven't because You know, I can't. I can't afford that stuff. <laughs> oh no, me neither. I've got a kid. I, I hear you. Like this was lucky. This the whole trip was paid for. So I was like, yeah, hey, <laughs> take it, man. You, you deserve it. So the, the live show. So a lot of people make jokes. The live show is that a show to take you to, to take your lady to, or is she gonna get taken from? <laughs> no, I think take her, take her, man. Like, like maybe, <laughs> man. That reputation's uh, harsh. Like, but yeah, maybe when he does the spotlight and asks for the lady <laughs> in the crowd, maybe get your coat and pull it over your over your girl's <laughs> head at that point, just to be certain. Like, yeah. but now, yeah, man, the live show was incredible, though, man. Like, the yeah. stage design is really, really cool. With like the way he integrates the strip club, I look at it almost like the trap version of the Moulin Rouge. That's what it feels like to me. Mm. Um, and then he comes out on the roller skates and singing while on roller skates, like, and and that's the thing. Like, there's a bit of a Fred Astaire to um to Usher, like saying because mm-hmm. I know Michael Jackson was like obviously like super inspired by Fred Astaire too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I don't want to like give a white man all the credit. Obviously, like, there's lots of like uh, black dancers <laughs> that inspired these guys too. But that grace, that elegance, you know, like when you see singing in the rain, it's like. Yeah. It's like floating around. That's the one thing that I came away from too. Like, I actually went home and. We watched Singing in the Rain. I was like, shit, I should definitely watch Singing in the Rain a lot as a kid. <laughs> That's awesome, man. Great stuff, as always. If you guys are listening, check out his article. It's in the description. Give it a click and definitely share it to someone because it's a great story. Thomas, thank you so much for coming on, man. Definitely got to do this again. Uh, look forward to following more work from you, man. I'm going to retweet some stories and hopefully get you some more work, man. You do great work. Thank you, man. I appreciate you, brother. Have a good day, all right? As always, want to thank you for listening to this episode of the Music Vibes Podcast. DC Hendricks here signing off for a final time. Be sure to listen to some new music this week and let me know on social media what those songs and artists are. I want to know who you're listening to and I want to discover some new artists and songs as well. And that's what this podcast is all about. Celebrating classics and creating new ones. We dig deep we dig deep into the music industry and I appreciate you guys for listening. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review. Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, everywhere podcasts are available. If you haven't yet, make us one of your favorites and leave us a review. Scroll on down and let us know what you are thinking. Until next time, everybody, be safe, peace, and love. Podcasts by Federated Media.